0: Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min
2: Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Graham Bailey, 90 Min's transfer correspondent, 90 Min's head of UK content TC, Top Cat, Toby Cudworth. And today, Tom Gott from the 90 Min UK team making his debut on talking transfers. Uh, please subscribe to all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Tom Gott2. Why the two, Tom? Why?
3: A one was taken. Was it? Oh, yeah. Right, fair enough. I uh-huh. so just went,
2: went next in line. Yeah, to... It's
3: the logical thing to do.
2: I, I use my birth year on a few of my, my social platforms. Uh, mm. And that, that is something that people do tend to do, but I respect it, man. Like you're num- the second best Tom got
4: in the world to exactly. have him on the podcast today. Exactly. Uh, welcome to the show, Tom. Graham, how are you? I'm doing fine. I've been miserable weekend for my teams, but I'll put that aside.
2: You excited for Middlesbrough's next boss? could be potentially Michael Carrick.
4: I, I'm not personally. I can, I can see why some of those fans would be. It's always nice to go with a, um, someone untarnished, no, um, no history. You know, we've had good records with the former United ones, Brian Robson, the best ever, Steve McLaren. So I, when we do appoint United people, it does come good, to be fair. so
2: I'm definitely hoping Michael Carrick rocks the suit and shorts combo.
4: Yeah, good memory, yeah, good memory, yeah, <laughs> Brian Robson. Yeah, but so so in that regard, you know, we we had Carranca, um, Southgate. We do give new managers a chance, um, Woodgate as well. So it doesn't always work out very well, but the United links certainly do. Toby, how's the weather?
5: Sunny, but chilly. Yeah. Um, not as cold Still. as it was at West Ham, though. I, uh, yeah. I went to a bit of football this weekend, froze my nuts off watching West Ham beat Fulham 3-1. Um, so a win for me, Graham, did Middlesbrough lose, I presume, from your...
4: We lost to Millwall, um, but a very good young player there, Zane Hemming. Um, spent a lot of money on him from Holland. Keep nine on him, he's a very good player. Potentially
2: hey, and... on talking transfers in the next few years.
4: <laughs> mm, definitely, definitely. Good player.
5: But Before we move on from Middlesbrough, can I just ask, Graham, are you not excited for a Northeast trifecta then from Steve Bruce? Is that something you you don't want to happen?
4: No, I don't think we'd uh, we would be able to do that. Fit him in, um, <laughs> I, you know he, he's a, he's a chance. I don't think he's quite done in football yet. A lot of people think he'll be done that. I think he'll turn up, um, one more time maybe. But yeah, it hasn't worked out for him down there. But some some a lot of big clubs down at the bottom of the championship in a minute. And I think we've we've sort of um we've gone from the imagine I think West Brom probably probably kickstarted them into doing it as well because hey, it's gonna be a bit of a fight at the bottom at the minute. Yes,
2: indeed. That's what you come to Talking Transfers for, to listen to Middlesbrough and Basement Championship Clubs and all that discussion. I'm kidding. Uh, We'll talk today about Mason Mount's potential new contract with Tom, who is a Chelsea reporter for us and follows Chelsea quite closely. We'll talk technical director updates from Stamford Bridge. We'll talk Graham Potter's start and potential links to Rafael Liao, who uh, has featured against Chelsea and will feature against Chelsea in the Champions League this week. We'll talk Cristiano Ronaldo's future. We'll talk Liverpool looking at a potential signing at, I believe, centre half. We'll talk uh, a couple of potential signings from South America for Newcastle. We'll talk Malo Gusto and interest from a number of Premier League clubs in the Leon Youngster. We'll talk Endrick as well, because Graham absolutely loves him, name of the future, who will feature on Talking Transfers probably for the next 20 years if we keep that podcast going this long and we'll talk Erling Haaland as well uh, news about his release clause emerging in recent days now uh, let's start at the top Tom I'll come to you first to start Mason Mount starring in Chelsea's win over Wolves on the weekend two assists I believe yep Did you have 12 fantasy football points or did he get bonus points as well uh, you know, that's, it's a good haul. I, I went with James Madison this week and was very disappointed. But Mason Mount playing well. New contract on the agenda. What can you tell us, Tom?
3: Yeah, so he's, as soon as Todd Burley came in, he decided that Mason Mount and Rhys James were two of his potential cornerstones for the future. He said these are two of England's best young players now and for the next decade. And his plan was to get them both under long-term contracts as soon as possible. Obviously, he's done Rhys James already, and thank God for that. And now he's onto Mason Mount, and talks are, talks are on with Mount and his representatives. There's a confidence that it will eventually get done. It's obviously taken a little longer than the talks with James did, but there is a hope that it will be done fairly soon. I think Chelsea are aiming for before the World Cup, but obviously Mount's going to have his... He's going to have his eye on the tournament. He, I don't know whether we want to get distracted by talk like that. But Chelsea are still talking to him. They're making progress, and there's a expectancy that it will get done eventually, which is all that matters.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, Chelsea tying down uh, some of their academy starlets. You know, we talked on this show and other shows on ninety min on the ninety min network over the last few months about Thomas Tuchel's. I guess, reluctance to play some academy players. Uh, Graham Potter, I think things might look a little bit different under him. There's a bridge that they want to start uh, creating between the academy and the first team, and Mason Mount is one of the recent examples of that transition, and he is now firmly a Chelsea first team player. Graham, uh, anything to add on the Mason Mount situation, or is, is this one that we're expecting to get done just it's a matter of when, not if?
4: Yeah, it's a few caution Dot. dotting eyes. I think, as Tom said, there's confidence within the club that it'll be done, um, you know, following on from Rhys James um, and a few more. And, uh, yeah, and he, he, obviously he's hoping he'll be joined by his best friend, Declan Rice, not too distant future. You just
2: robbed my line. Toby, how, how's the... You, last season, you guaranteed us Declan Rice would not be moving to, to Chelsea or anywhere else. Can you offer the same guarantees?
5: Well, I was correct. I said he would not be moving this summer, despite... Graham suggested, that it might happen to me. Um, I s- remained steadfast and said it wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if he rocked up at, at Chelsea next year, but I was just saying off camera that Dex making all the noises that he still is 100% committed to West Ham. You wouldn't expect him to say anything different in the public domain, but he seemingly loves the club. It's going to be a big thing if he does go to Chelsea. Um, Chelsea need him that much is evident and apparent, but... Um, I still have faith, Scott, to answer your question, that he'll stay put now that we've got the Italian stallion Gianluca Scamacca smashing in goals up front for us. Maybe our season's going to recover. There is no irons in the fire section today,
2: uh, unfortunately, but do you just want to offer a quick line on how good Scamacca is?
5: Well, he's he's showing um, or he showed his value already, I think, both at Europe. And in the Premier League, scored a very good goal against Fulham, which was by all accounts handball. But his general performances up front and his link-up play with Lucas Pequeta are improving game on game. They linked up against Andalex, played well against Fulham. The future is bright, I think. And the fact that Mikel Antonio doesn't have to play every game is a good thing for West Ham. And he's a tremendous impact sub. So for nothing else, Scamacca has made his presence felt just by being able to claim a place in the team now and give David Moyes a different option and something else to work with.
2: Good to see the handball rule is uh, clear as crystal uh, after the weekend's football. With what was it? Antonio and
5: Skamaka's goals were. Yeah, Antonio's was blatant, obvious handball. But I I heard afterwards that the referees association said there was a different phase of play just because Burn Leno had stopped. Antonio's initial shot and then it had bundled off Tim Ream that then oh, meant oh really? That it, yeah and that meant it didn't directly lead to a goal which is why it wasn't ruled out Skamaka's goal if you look really closely you can see the ball rotated in a slightly different direction it wasn't clear cut but it did look like it did brush his hand um, So well, we Jordan Pickford got touched with- the ball when Marcus Rashford scored
2: you know so is that another phase of play? Oh, honestly I've had enough of this uh, Graham let's talk Let's continue the talk on Chelsea. New technical directors uh, and new people upstairs. Well, Tom, we'll come to you on Graham Potter in a little bit, but technical directors, the upstairs, the backroom, you know, the the people who are making these decisions, it can't be Todd Bowley forever. So how is he strategizing to get this in order?
4: Yeah, he's obviously interim. He is happy to keep going for a little while. Um, And that opens up the door to Michael Edwards, who was... Always first choice for Chelsea, the former Liverpool spotting director. He made it clear from the summer that he wasn't prepared to take um, a deal from Chelsea. He's prepared to talk to him. He was always quite um, open with with Burley. He Just wasn't he wants a year out of the game, um, spend with his family. Uh, and now we're in October. Now you know that Chelsea have they've lost out on a couple of deals. Freund from um, Leipzig. Um, was it Le- Leipzig? it was Tom, wasn't he? Leipzig. Friend Salzburg yeah. Salzburg. Sorry, the Red Bull team's confused me times. Um, the game they were really gutted about that one. They thought he'd, he'd agreed to come in and they went back on it. And now you know they've talked to Paul Mitchell, amongst other people, they've talked to uh, Victor Orta at Leeds, Monchi at Seville. They have and Louis, Louis Campos was one who wanted to come in, but his contract is very complicated with PSG. And they keep coming back to Edwards, really. So now they they have open talks to him again and said, Look, if you'll come next summer we're prepared to wait it out. We'll have, you know, they've got Vivelle coming as technical director. They've got um, Potter's right-hand man, Kyle. Um, I can't remember his name. now. Macaulay. my memory is going to, Macaulay. They've got, he's already come in. So the, the, the transfer staff isn't empty. It's not, they've got people in there. They've got the senior scouts are in there. So I think Burley thinks they can get through January. They're already setting deals up, as we've seen, as we've seen. think of Adil and Conku and, and Declan Rice, as we spoke about. So are they going to be doing that much in January? not too much. So if they can wait till next, next summer for Michael Edwards, if, if, if he agrees that deal, they will do that because he, as as I said, he was always their first choice to come in. So I think they might wait for him. I think that's the way it's looking. And they're still talking to others, but if Edwards agrees to take over next summer, that's the way they're going to go. Interesting. Tom, how do you, what do you make of all this then?
2: Graham Potter's in as manager. Uh, it seems like Todd Bowley's had his fun in the transfer market. Uh, good potentially rolled into January and we'll see, but if they are willing to wait for someone like Michael Edwards and they get somebody of that calendar caliber and, you know, proven ability in the transfer market in along with a modern young English coach forward thinking who's willing to bridge that gap between the Academy and the first team.
3: That's exciting.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: It's, it's what we've been asking for, for, Decades, at least, that actual link between the recruitment and the manager and not just the higher up saying, I like this player, here you go, try and do what you can with it. Because that's why we've seen so many players. I mean, Lukaku last season is the perfect example. He just doesn't fit in the system. And now that where we are, we need that bit more logic. And it seems like that's, that's where we're going. I know Potter's brought over his recruitment analyst. So obviously he's going to play a big part in bringing the manager what he wants. I think Burley did a good job as interim sporting director for a man without the experience in it. He's done some decent deals. And I wanted Edwards during the summer to take over from him, but it obviously didn't happen. And now at this point in the season, I I think I'd be happy to wait until the summer for him. He's obviously got the track record of finding and signing the missing links to, to Liverpool's team. And some of the sales he pulled off was, was mental. Like 40 odd million for Solanke and Rion Brewster, even though they'd scored <laughs> one combined Premier League goals. Like that's, yeah. that's the kind of leadership that Chelsea need. In the, hey, D- in D- the Dom room. Solanke
2: made his way into my FPL team and he got an assist at the weekend, maybe two even. I can't remember. Was it was a two. Yeah, but
3: big Dom Solanke fan, obviously Chelsea Academy hero. He was, but I mean, at this point, this point in his career you've got a you've got to say 20 odd million for him fair enough yeah
2: yes,
5: are indeed. you telling me tom that michael edwards is the man who can sell to me to mui bakioka or however you say his name i can't remember oh, I, I who's in a he's, chelsea
3: player yeah don't think that's possible i think he's he's probably he's got to
5: be out of contract within the next year surely
3: i think he's 2024 i'm not sure i know he's ac milan have got the option to buy him and they're just not playing him because they have no desire to make that anywhere close to permanent. I mean, uh, I'm he, looking, yeah, he re-joined I'm having on to look a, at this.
5: He rejoined on a two year loan, mm-hmm. in August, 2021 with an option to buy. So that would suggest that there's another year on his deal. Yeah. Yeah. 20, 2020, 2024. He's down
3: wow, 2024. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Me. We just need, we need that someone who can just come in and say, no, we're not taking that because the, oh, the amount of option to buy deals we've had with Serie A clubs that have, they've obviously just ended up coming back to us is it just seems like there's no real or there wasn't really a a strategy to the departures. It was just, if someone wants to take your wages, cool. And then we'll find ourselves in the exact same boat next summer. Whereas an actual sporting director with the experience can hopefully come in and just clear out the, the dead wood in the squad, help the overhaul and get things going again.
2: Tom, what, what are we seeing on the pitch? Because I've seen uh, a a reference on my timeline today to the Ruben Tarder. Which oh yeah is a thing, apparently. It is. I mean, so Ruben Loftus cheek back in the team, doing all right. Uh, there's a number of other players who yeah, players have to leave, but you know, what what have you seen in the first few weeks? What has Graham Potter done on the pitch? Are, are there noticeable differences? Uh, what is he going for? Is he still learning, you know, the the qualities of his team? What what's what's your first takes?
3: Well, he's obviously still learning the players that he's got at his disposal and how they're going to fit into his system. And one of the more interesting things is that we haven't actually seen his system yet. He's been flitting between multiple different formations in the same game. I know the the Wolves game was a hybrid of a four two three one and a three four two one, and I think Pulisic was both a winger and a wing back, and Cucurello was and there's there's a is lot. Of, not
2: his system though.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's this, this hybrid fluidity sort of machine that it's, it's quite hard to, to follow on the pitch because you, you never really know what anyone's going to be doing because Potter obviously expects all of his players to be very uh, very versatile, very willing to, to put in a shift in a non-natural position. And it's, it's obviously been positive. And you know, We saw Raheem Sterling playing in that wing-back role in Potter's first game and then Pulisic doing it now he's obviously just trying to figure out what he's got but it's been it's been good to watch and as you say the 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 Ruben Tarder Loftus-Cheek's been one of the the better performers so far and i know that I mean, you, now,
2: uh, you i think you're the ones who's been willing this to happen for about 5 years
3: now oh i'm the leader of the Ruben Loftus-Cheek fan club proudly so i i think he's since since the academy days i've been saying he's going to be he's going to be a chelsea star and there was a few years where it didn't look like it was going to happen and is it going to happen now i don't know Gareth Southgate better be watching though because it's it's getting interesting he's doing a he's doing a job in deep midfield which is something that England just don't have these days
2: 26 turning 27 next year in January uh Toby uh, just come to you as we round up on Chelsea. Graham Potter has said nothing but also said something about Raphael Liao in the last few Few days.
5: Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of led down the garden path a little bit on that one. Having said, I won't be talking about players from other teams. Chelsea are obviously playing Milan in the Champions League, and Rafael is a target that we reported on from the summer a couple of times. Chelsea expressed an interest in signing him. Milan didn't want to do business. And Potter um, was asked about coming up against Rafael and what he offers Milan. And he essentially said, a quality player who offers Milan this, this and this. Um, so it was kind of a, an appreciation remark that he made. And that will obviously put two and two together for many to suggest that Graham Potter wants Chelsea to to reignite their interest. But he was quite good um, in periods in that first game between Chelsea and Milan, kind of faded as the game went on. But he's got um, something about him in terms of being able to play in different systems. And he's quite malleable and as Tom's just explained there that's the kind of thing that Graham Potter is looking for players who can do different things and can perform in different roles so I wouldn't be surprised if he's a long-term target again in the future but probably best not to read into too much in what he said in that press conference because as I say he was he was asked specifically about the game and that's then being tied into the transfer links.
2: Chelsea doing all right at the moment they play uh we got Aston Villa next I believe Uh, I think Aston Villa away I know that I do know that Chelsea play Man United at Stamford Bridge in a week and a half's time uh, which should be quite interesting Uh, we'll get into United in a little bit but let's jump to Liverpool before we do Uh, general discussion I guess before we get into a potential transfer target Uh, I'll come to Graham in one minute but Toby what's wrong with Liverpool Toby
5: well, they're all injured, mate, because Jurgen Klopp continues to play high-intensity football for a seventh consecutive year. No, I'm joking. It's not just that. That is a an element to it. That's no, bad are, luck,
2: Toby. Completely.
5: Well, it's, it's not, is it? There's a pattern. When things can are continually happening, there's obviously a pattern there, and there's a reason behind it. Um, and it's all muscle injuries that Liverpool are sustaining at the moment. It's not impact injuries. It's that would be bad luck, but the majority of them are muscle related. And there's no cohesion at the back. The um, the leader that is Virgil van Dijk is way, way, way below his best. And those around him are just not performing. Um, and I think Klopp is desperate to get Ibrahima Kanate, who, Graham, I think you thought he was a bit of a, a calamity when he first came into Liverpool's team last year, but their supporters have been crying out for him ever since the season started and, um, and they need someone to shore up that right-hand side because it's not its not all Trent's fault, but he was again badly placed for that first goal for Martinelli. He overran the second one. They're just a bit all over the shop and they look like their heads are fried. And I'm not necessarily sure that Jurgen Klopp's demeanour and what he says in his post-match interviews about bad luck is necessarily the thing that Liverpool's players need to hear right now. They might need their managers to get stuck into them a bit. And hold them to account because they are playing well below the level that we're used to seeing, particularly over the last couple of years.
2: Graham, do you have any
5: particular thoughts
2: on why this is happening?
4: No, it's a bit of a shock, you know. I think the the midfield, I think, is a real issue. I think the defence is a bit porous, you know, it's susceptible, but they're not protecting them. Um, I think that's a major issue. I think Fabinho... He's only 28, but he looks as old as James Milner at the minute. I think that he looks like an old man there at the minute, and that is probably his player when he shouldn't be in certain regards, but yeah, I think that midfield, you know, Henderson, Thiago, Milner, Fabinho, it's just not happening at the minute, and I think he's been getting away with it recently, but in fairness to Klopp, did he see this coming? They tried to sign Chiumani early in the summer, it seems like it didn't seem like early in the summer when Chiumani went to Madrid, Does it, it seems like a, a whole lifetime ago, but there was a reason they wanted Chumani and then it it, it would then we did actually say on the show, didn't we, on the pod? It was strange that then they didn't go deeper for another midfielder. You you, you clearly wanted one, and then you denied that you wanted one. And then you came in and went for R2 and that turned out as we expected, really. Um, so yeah, I, I think the midfield's a real real issue. I think the defense will come good. You know, you got Gomez, Kanate, Van Dijk, Matip. That you know that's four good centre halves. It's not a ma- massive issue. But I think the teams are running through them too easily. And it's all very well having the Harvey Elliott's, Carvalho's, et cetera. But you need legs in there. there. Um, and, is and one actually, midfielder enough, though? But it, I, this is I, the thing. I think Naby is a stranger. And I think his injury is really unfortunate because he was a player who, very rare in my view, he won me over. He was brilliant towards the end of last season. And then we had this contract stuff. He hasn't been, I think they're missing Naby Keita. I never thought I'd say that about Liverpool. But towards the end of last season, I thought he was their best midfielder. He was fantastic. He didn't play in the fire, which I think got to him, but he didn't start. So I do wonder, what is club waiting for Naby Keita to come back? He, he, he seems to be waiting for all his injuries to come good. I don't know. I, I, and Fabinho is not is isn't on it, as I said. I, I, I think there's the midfield is a real issue here for Liverpool. I really do. I think there's a bit of, not a rebuild, but they're really missing that. And it's probably why they're struggling to do Bellingham. They're not going to get him. I think he's already out of their price range. But I think it's a real issue there in the centre of midfield for them.
5: It's it's interesting as well the way that Liverpool are trying to get out of this is to go more attacking. Klopp's gone to four two three one or four two four. He's not actually addressing the the problem that they've got in midfield. He's making it worse in a way by going for those attacking selection. And is that him admitting that he just backs his team to score more than the opposition? and not because he's got the personnel to be able to plug the gaps maybe but that midfield 3 you just said Graham Henderson Fabinho and Thiago is one of the most immobile even in Thiago
2: three. at the moment like, everyone knows Thiago's on on the ball qualities but if he's not somebody who's going to do that job for well, they- you and he's not he's not being protected either yeah, and and that's the case for the defense.
4: He's as still well. ranks. Don't think, guys. He still he ranks. If you're doing success or not, he, I think he's been a bit of a flop. Tiago. He came in as maybe one of the best midfielders in Europe from Bayern. I think he's been a huge flop. I do. I, he hasn't taken the Premier League by storm. He has a good game here and there. He's been a huge letdown for me. I'm just going to let that sit there. You can uh, get in touch with us uh, at
2: Graham Bailey, <laughs> if you agree or disagree with that, uh, at Scott Saunders, at underscore Scott Saunders, sorry, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Tom got to, uh, for any thoughts on Liverpool's demise. Cause I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I don't think there's a quick fix in there. I think that is uh, a potential season of transition. One thing that Sir Alex Ferguson used to do very well was see when a player was done and get rid of them before people noticed I don't think Klopp has done that, whether that is his fault or whether that is the fault of the owners or um, the people making the decisions at transfer level. You know, there's a lot, I think they I count about nine or 10 midfield, central midfield options
4: in there. Half of them injured all the Cat, time. It's a strange one because like, they haven't even confirmed what's wrong with him yet. He's been out for like nearly two months and it was never a major injury that they revealed. They, they, they kept on saying, "Oh, he'll be back next week, back next week, because it? coincided with him with his contract and transfer discussions didn't it and he's still not back it's a very strange one him. yeah
2: I think this is a Liverpool have to do some major surgery personally I don't think this is one this is one player I think this is you gotta get at least four of those midfielders out I would say in order to replenish and move on from there I think they need two at, at the least Missing, uh, I
4: feel sorry for missing Curtis Jones who I think is a there's a potential worldie. Um, he hasn't played at all this season. So I think that's been a huge blow to him as well.
2: No, this is the thing. Like, talking about injuries and being unlucky with injuries, mm. but 2020-21 was meant to be the unlucky time with injuries, yet it's happening again, which is something that I said just might smuggle me. I said that this would happen continually. What happens when Liverpool get all their first-team players back from from you know injury? I think it's a guarantee.
4: As, as Shankly said, Scott, I think famously, he said, you're only as good as your reserves.
2: That's that's a fair old quote, Graham. Let's let's get into Liverpool transfer targets anyway, because we've uh, we've done a a bit on Chelsea, we've done a bit on Liverpool. But what uh, what are Liverpool planning in the transfer market?
4: Yeah, I say, Scott. I, initially, like in the summer, initially they weren't doing anything. They were happy. I think come January, if the right players in the market, I think they'll do. They'll definitely look at the midfield, as as we know, they wanted one, they wanted two man. But well, I think they'll try. Uh, but yeah, it's our information that they are keeping tabs on Belgium centre half, Zion Debast, um, and like centre half, he was just made his international debut at the age of 18, six foot two, rave reviews. Um, and yeah, you think it, it's obviously an area where Liverpool. Probably a year's time. We probably need to move on from maybe a Matip or not really move on from Van Dijk, but look for his replacement in advance, which is what have been so good at doing, isn't it? Filling them gaps before they become big holes. Um, and there, this is a player who's um, impressed hugely. It's his first full season. He's only he's played less than 20 first team games but he's already played two for Belgium. Roberto Martinez was singing in his praises. Um, I imagine you might have seen him, Scott, actually, he make his debut against Wales, apparently. The, did he? he? Yeah, he apparently did well against keeper Mo. I didn't see the game, obviously. Apologies for not watching Wales-Belgium Nations League match. But apparently he did very well. Martinez said he did anyway. He said it was one of his best debuts he's ever seen, etc. So, um, but suddenly now he he's in the, um, the reckoning to go to Qatar because although this Belgium team is full of world beaters, they're not at centre-half, <laughs> full of a lot of veterans. We're talking about veterans for Liverpool. If you want to see veteran players, go and look at Belgium's centre-half department. Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen are still playing in their squad at the ages 33 and 35. So they, they are, they mean,
2: are they that young?
4: Are they that young? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but De Bast is a man who plays alongside Vertonghen. He's been singing his praises. So, um, yeah, this is a very, very good young centre-half who Belgium desperately needed, and they might be uh, coming good at the right time for them.
2: Difficult times for Liverpool. Not many people anticipated the fall off. Are they competing for top four, top six? Are they coming 10th? We will see what happens with them. They play Man City at the weekend. And you fear for them, don't you? With Erling Haaland uh, on the agenda. We'll talk about Erling Haaland later in the show. Scoring goals at a ridiculous rate at the moment, but another person who has scored goals at a ridiculous rate over the course of his career, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, we'll talk about him for now. Seven hundred club goals during his career. He scored at Everton on Sunday night. the f- The players uh, even got him. Well, I don't know who planned this, but there was a, a an image of the squad with a seven hundred in balloons uh, in the background to celebrate a remarkable achievement. From the thirty-seven-year-old player, uh, obviously, Graham. We know that Cristiano Ronaldo is not someone Man United can bank on for the next five years, even five months at a push. To be honest, uh, we'll, we'll see how. Uh, it's 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 awful to say, but we did report on uh, on the weekend just before that game that Ronaldo's future and Ronaldo's place in the team, whether he plays or not. Dominates the headlines, and that's becoming a source of frustration for Eric Ten Hag, isn't it? So, uh, you know, we're expecting that Ronaldo will leave at some point in 2023. What can you tell us, Graham? Is this is there a real possibility for him to go somewhere in January? Or will he miraculously win his place back and score loads of goals this season?
4: Yeah, it's, it's strange when, you know, from information we can, Ten Hag's more than happy with how he's training. He's happy with the attitude. He's come back and he's really digging in. But as you say, Scott, no matter what happens, there's going to be a Ronaldo question, whether he starts, or whether he doesn't start. Did he bring him on too early? Why didn't he bring him on? It's all around Ronaldo. And you can see the frustration. In Tengar. I was at the Manchester derby um, and he was just getting so frustrated with the question. And you can imagine that every single press conference. I bet he hasn't had a press conference without being asked about Ronaldo since he arrived at the club. And and, Ronaldo, and that, it's easy to Ronaldo wasn't there for a month either. <laughs> yeah, and he was still yeah he was still getting quizzed about it and and you know we had the celebrations afterwards with Anthony, which obviously um, quite humorous in some ways. So I think some United probably didn't think so, but yeah, it's come January. Um, he's told the board not to not to step in Ronaldo's way. Um, the problem is though, Scott, isn't it? The options out there for him. I I, I was as we reported in the summer, spot in Lisbon, the president liked him a lot. And and that's still an option for him. They are they are not blowing things up in the league. They are they are way down the Portuguese top flight. Ruben Amarin, the coach, he's struggling a little bit domestically. He's had a really good time in the group stage over the Champions League. So I still think that is the, the real one option that Ronaldo can go play Champions League football still and sporting, go back to the club. Um he loves. If not sporting, I don't really see anyone out there at the moment. There might be injuries coming for some of these teams who are challenging like Bayern etc did even Oliver Kahn admitted didn't he recently that they did actually look at him going against everything he said in the summer which we didn't luckily we didn't believe it at that time when he said they weren't interested um, as it stands at the moment I think Sporting are the most likely option but it's not going to be an easy one to get him out Scott as you said it's not going to be easy
0: Um,
3: Chelsea Pod Bowley I was certain he was coming to Chelsea this summer <laughs> obviously when like we needed a striker and Bowley was the one driving Ronaldo and it just felt inevitable. It was going to be a, a deadline day sign, and he was going to end up. I was certain it was happening.
4: Didn't I play the role, Tom, in him getting the axe? Where, um, Burley went all right. over Aubameyang, you can have him, but he, he wasn't in in Burley's good books after that, was he? Thomas Tuchel.
3: No, exactly. There's there's the the conflict there, and that's that's exactly what I said earlier about the you need that relationship between the higher ups and the manager, and hopefully we're getting that with Potter. But whether Potter is interested in Ronaldo is a whole different story. It's it's not one you'd. You'd be confident in saying he is, but one to keep an eye on maybe. Yeah, of like, does he like
4: Aubameyang though, Tom? Does he? He's
3: he's been playing he's been playing Aubameyang, and obviously he scored he scored the other days. As far as strikers go at Chelsea, he's he's the best there is at the minute. He's the only one who has that cutting edge in front of goal, that ability to know where to stand he's, and just, just is, how the is he he ball. He's only there.
4: good he's the only good Premier League striker you've got basically. The rest are. Of- Nine, ten, eleven. Times. It's like a Kunku, isn't it? The rest of the players are all they can play there if needed. Yeah,
3: I've been describing them as non-strikers. Yeah. They're these forwards that you can absolutely, <laughs> you could absolutely play up top, like Unkunku, Liao, Havertz, and like they're they're fine there. They're good.
4: And that is but, still the ones you've been linked to, Tom, isn't it? You've been yeah, The Liao's and Unkunkus. There's so many of that number nine. Just you're not being linked to.
3: I'm just having three or four false nines in every team, and it's. It's been it's been tough. It was tough to watch under under Tuchel not having that that out and out striker. Even when Lukaku was there, you could see that
4: but Potter likes that Potter, Potter loves that he we saw yeah. him with Welbeck. He look, he does like that big target, man, even though he has the three behind him. So Chelsea could could suit him.
3: Yeah, very possible. It's it's obviously it remains to be seen. Potter's obviously taking the time now to, to look at his squad, see who he's who he's a fan of, who he wants, new contracts hand into, et cetera, et cetera. So there's definitely going to be talks about. Obama Yang's future and whether a new strike is needed. I'm sure Bowley will be pushing Ronaldo, but how that conversation sits is a is a different matter.
2: Speculation at the moment. That's that's not coming from us. We're just uh... <laughs> <laughs> we will see how that turns out. Cristiano Ronaldo not expected to to remain at Man United beyond this season. It's just a case of when he ends up leaving. We'll we will see. Uh, but let's move to Newcastle because Graham, there's a there's a battle of the Uniteds coming up this weekend. They're separated by a point in the table. Uh, Old Trafford, Man United host Newcastle. United have a game in hand and are a point ahead. But imagine the bragging rights on next week's talking transfers when Newcastle rock up to Old Trafford and win 3-0, you know, and go above uh, Man United in the league and really take the mantle of the best United in the Premier League. What what are they planning? Uh, They're looking good on the pitch. And what are they planning on the transfer market?
4: Yeah, I'll say it. Newcastle now really kicking it again. Now we've seen lots of goals. It's no coincidence that finally Bruno Gamares is, is really fit. He's in that team. He's making everything tick for this team. You know, he's my. I tipped him to make the PFA eleven. I think he's currently one of the best midfielders in the Premier League, obviously after De Bruyne and Foden. But he built that. I think he's. A, I think he's absolutely world class, and he's showing it. You call him and, Foden, a midfielder. Um, it's yes, more of a forward. I okay? guess. So I think I think for the will as as Kevin De Bruyne yeah, so so. said after the derby, he he's tipping him to play centrally with him next season with with Bernardo Silver leaving I think that's a distinct possibility, but batter yeah he's playing so well for these guys um yeah and, and the brazilian they do love a brazilian now at newcastle taking over from middlesbrough in terms of uh, going for these northeast brazilians and uh, we've seen joe linton the the Eddie Howe's getting out of him it's probably one of the best jobs he's he's done since arriving um actually turned him into a proper midfielder and he's playing quite well um yeah newcastle they're doing a lot of work off the of pitch Scott, we've seen them spending a grand Coal, the australian style that has already signed they're in talks with Vasco da Gama over Andre Santos, who is one of the best young midfielders in Brazil. He has been for a good 18 months now, um, defensive midfielder. They nicknamed him the Brazilian Busquets in Brazil. weren't doing that, but that's how good he is. Um, he won't come cheap, about 20 million. But these talks are ongoing, and Newcastle are very confident about getting him. And he will come in on a work permit. We can also reveal that the whilst looking at Andre Santos in the last uh, month or so, they do like his teammate as well, a player called Eguinaldo. Who is an interesting character, actually? He was non league football two years ago. Vasco brought him in on loan. Then he bought him permanently this summer for about £150,000. But he started the season three and six. He's been called up to the Brazilian in the 20s. He's a real prospect, this boy. And Newcastle Scouts, I can confirm, like him a lot. So it's another one at Vasco who they could be bringing in. But yeah, the Santos deal is quite a long way down the line. And hopefully, getting him there, hopefully, announcing that one maybe even before January.
2: Toby, uh, the battle of the Uniteds. Were yep. a West Ham featuring in that?
5: I have to sue on
2: them in somewhere. Sorry.
5: Catching up slowly but surely. Won our last two games. We're only five points behind Man United, and we've had a terrible start to the season. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but Newcastle are. Um, you have like played a game brilliant. more, by the way. See what Tom thinks.
4: See what Tom thinks. So Tom, who's uh, who's going to finish as the top United in the Premier League? I was laughed out of this, out, out of this pod when I was going Newcastle and Leeds above the other two.
3: I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be Leeds. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't would use that it. as a brag. right? I, I just
4: took, I took, Le- I took. Le- took Le- there were top of the power ones so I just took them uh, as the uh, as the hanging fruit at the time. But I said Newcastle would finish as the top United, so then they get the honour of being called United. Tom, that was the thing. Whoever finishes top gets called United.
3: No, I think I've I've got a back Man United as much as it hurts to say. I, I, there's obviously a lot of problems there that need sorting. But Ten Hag, he seems to know what he's doing. So far, obviously, it's still early days. I think give him give him a bit of time. Maybe post January, when everyone starts clicking and he starts figuring out the best team for his setup, I reckon. I reckon they'll be all right. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> bit of backup. Bit of backup.
2: Uh, let's let's uh, shift on which Premier League clubs. I don't have this list in front of me. I don't know whether uh, Graham or Toby whether there is a list even. I have a number of Premier League clubs
5: are looking at Leon fullback Malo Gusto. Toby, should I? Yeah, I have a list. Malo Gusto is, he's 19. Can you believe that when you look at him there? He's somehow only 19. Uh, Leon's starting right back. Lots of clubs from around Europe taking a look at him. Um, So the Premier League list that you allude to, Scott, is Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City and Spurs. So that says everything about the calibre of club that's looking at this player. Um, But Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, and Juventus have also taken a look at him. Um, he's a former attacking midfielder and he's very much in the mould of the modern-day fullback, where he's electrifying going forward and can probably offer you everything that you want in that regard. Defensively, maybe not quite there yet and needs to develop that area of his game, but has shown promising signs. And as I said, he's still only a teenager who's got two less than two years left on his current deal. Yet he, he did sign a new contract with Leon last year but that was only a three-year deal. And I think they're acutely aware that new terms probably need to go his way pretty pronto. Otherwise, could see a January bid, potentially, if teams see there's market value there. Um, But if not, there's a queue of clubs looking at signing this lad next summer. I
2: do know that Man United potentially need a new right back. Uh, Diogo Dallo giving away some horrible passes the other day in the Everton win. Uh, Tom, I'm guessing you have managed Malo Gusto on football manager.
3: I actually haven't. No, I oh, was wow. when I'm when I'm doing my Chelsea saves. You It's only Rhys James. You don't need to bother about spending money on a backup. Thirty-eight hey, games a season, Rhys James. All you need. <laughs>
2: That's probably why Chelsea are not listed on that list, Toby. Uh, <laughs> let's move on briefly to Graham's favourite player after Phil Foden. Is this right? Is this right, Graham? Endrick.
4: Uh, I'd say he's probably Raspadori. is my current number two. A player I've picked up for a long time. He's really producing now at Napoli, which um, I'm pleased to see. One of my, one, he would have got my 11. Raspadori. Um, I'm sure West Ham fans were slightly. I know Piquet is great. I'd have loved to have seen Raspadori and Skamaka. and they did look at them both, didn't they, Toby? At one point, West Ham. I did. I would love yeah. to have seen Raspadori um, go with Skomack, but hey, um... he
2: scored the winner against England the other week as well, didn't he? Mm. Didn't he? Yes, indeed.
4: Uh anyway, not Raspadori. We're not talking
2: about him, even though he's playing quite well for Napoli. We're talking endrick making his debut in front of a watching Real Madrid representative last. I think this was back last week though, Graham, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, um, last Thursday evening. Friday morning he made history uh, 16 years 2 months and 16 days he came on for Palmeiras who are top of the Brazilian league Palmeiras absolutely um, been sensational for him this year but the Palmeiras fans they love this boy they think he, they know what they've got in terms of the talent here they were chanting for him to come on they have been for last month um, so yeah he's just um, signed his new deal um, 2 months ago and yeah, he came on with his debut, had a chance, didn't quite score. But yeah, he was the uh, he's he's the talk of Brazilian football. This boy, you know, we we've been reporting on him for the last eighteen months. Uh, Real Madrid tried to sign him, couldn't because of FIFA ruling that um, you can't move abroad um, until you're eighteen, which is a strange one. You know, we could see a guy here. He could, in theory, go to World Cup. Some in Brazil think he might go do a Theo Walcott when Sven called him up. Um, you know, no, he... if he if he
2: has the Walcott's career fair play to him
4: he, this guy could he could go to the World Cup and play up front, and then even if even if Real bid his, his release clause of sixty million, although we think they've already got a deal tied up, um, FIFA wouldn't let him move because there's these rules in place to stop, which are great rules to stop people being manipulated, these young Africans and being transported into Europe. That's what they're there for. Unfortunately, they are they do get in the way of deals such as Endrick, who can't move to Europe till he's eighteen, but he'll have to wait. Good things come to those who wait, and uh, yeah, as you say, Scott, we're going to be talking about Endrick for quite a while, and I think in the new football manager I imagine him to be the player to go to
2: yeah he's now past that age threshold to be included in the game I believe as well right oh was that the oh, manager okay. getting some uh, some real uh, promo today the new game is yeah. coming out on the 8th of October no is
4: it it's the 8th of
2: October. The 8th of October's passed. What, what? 8th of November?
4: <laughs> I love the way you look at the date for your Watch. <laughs> hey, no, I've got it on my phone. My
2: Chris <laughs> 3 is talking to me on my Apple Watch. It's coming out soon anyway. I can't remember exactly. but uh, Yeah,
4: but this is the boy to go inside. So if you've got the money, if you do take over at big clubs, like I know you guys like to, um, unlike me, I always start lowdown. Uh, if you go to the big clubs, Endrick will be one of the first players you've got. Simply go don't have
2: the time to do that. Red, Redditch United save that I did twi- twice or three times at uni to Champions League winners <laughs> anymore. Unfortunately. Uh anyway, final section of the show. Erling Haaland is scoring goals for fun at the moment. I compared him to Brock Lesnar last week. I did steal that, but it it is he is basically football's version of Brock Lesnar. He's making teams look small I was
4: thinking more Mr. Perfect as well with the hair. Bit, bit yeah, old, I, I guess old, old, so. I old mean, time thing. Yeah, but I know I'm a bit, it, I'm yeah. bit older than you guys, so yeah, going for the going for the um not quite brickfire, but Mr Perfect. Yeah, you can imagine. I, I look to see that hurling, trying all the different sports. I imagine he can do that.
2: Yeah, he's a quite quite a prospect. Whether he breaks Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, club goals records for international, uh, national level and club level, we will see. it will take him well, probably ten years at this rate, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, Erling Haaland has joined Man City, has already scored a plethora of goals, but there is, Graham, a potential way out of Man City later in his contract.
4: What What is the news on this? Yeah, reports are coming out, and I've just had confirmation from City this morning, Scott. There is a release clause in there, 200 million euros. It starts out, it kicks in in 2024. But City aren't too worried about this, you know. Release clause technically has to be paid in full if someone was wanting to do that in 2024. City also, um, let it be known to me, that his wages will obviously have increased by then as well. He's currently just behind De Bruyne in terms of basic salary, 375. But by the time 2024 comes around, he's going to be on close to half a million a week, which will make him the highest paid player in the Premier League. Presumably at that point, obviously we don't know what else is going to happen in the league by then. Chelsea could have splashed out quite a bit of money on someone else by that point. Um, but yeah, Chelsea, Man City aren't worried, and and, that, and they do have this thing. Got as we saw with Hazard, we've seen it before with Zinchenko earlier this summer. If a player really wants to leave Man City and wants to get out, the club don't stand in the way. Obviously, Bernardo Silva slightly different, although they will let him go next summer. You know, if a player is is does his thing for City. And really wants out, they're not going to stand in his way. So this, although there is a clause, it's it's not a worry for City. You know, if it comes to 2024 and Erling Haaland is demanding a move to Real Madrid or Barcelona, they won't stand in his way anyway.
2: Continuing to talk Erling Haaland, I, I do want to open up the floor. How many goals is Erling Haaland going to score this season,
5: Toby? What's he on in all comps already? Is it 20? I think it's 20. 20, 20 he's got 15, 15 in the Prem. 15 league goals, is it? he could do 50, 55. I
2: honestly maybe. think he could do 50 in the, in, yeah. in, the, in the league or in total. Uh,
5: I think in the league, f- he, 40, he's breaking the scoring 40, record though. Right? 40 is definitely on the cards. It doesn't, want, it, over doesn't, the
4: it doesn't want to be rested, does he? I, I think, I think the mark he'll be aiming for, um, I think he'd love to hit 50. And I too. think he, refu- he will refuse if he's, you know, if he. I don't think, and because he doesn't have, a, I think the key factor here, guys, he's not going to the World Cup. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And so he, isn't that frightening thought that whilst all all the all, all the main players are slogged themselves away in the heat of Qatar, he's at home chilling out. And come Boxing Day, he's going to be in a hundred percent. Talk about football manager, he'll be a hundred percent prime condition on Boxing Day, where a lot of the other players won't be. And so I think he might have fifty Premier League goals in his sights. That, that
2: was my joking uh, prediction a couple of weeks ago, and now I actually started to believe it.
3: To be honest, um, Tom, he's just insane, isn't he? Oh, what he's what he's doing is mental. It's his his vision and his positioning is like for someone of his age is is ridiculous. And then when you've got De Bruyne behind him, who's who knows how to find those positions that other strikers don't always know how to get to. It's the combination of the two is is unreal. And you saw some of the highlights from the weekend. Like Man City are just. They're almost just putting the ball into the box, knowing that Harland will be there. He will find his way to the ball, and when he gets there, he's he's going to score.
4: It's just that easy early release, isn't it? Where City before you could pack, you, you can't even pack the bus bus against City because the release is so quick now. Whereas before, when they were playing tiki taka, you could maybe try and pack the bus for ninety minutes and really stop them on the edge of the box. But now, as soon as De Bruyne, and Ford, and Silver have got it, one two, it's gone. Exactly, yeah. You just can't, you, round the, you can, round you the can't
3: corner. Even recover, yeah. Exactly.
5: The, the most worrying thing is. The teams as well. He's not actually touching the ball too much throughout games. Everything's going on around him, but he's always in the right place at the right time when that final delivery is coming into the box or when a ball's been squared. We know no team are better than City than either getting an overlapping fullback, Shao Cancelo or Kyle Walker, or the winger to just play that square ball across. And Haaland just doesn't miss, does he? He never, or well, he very rarely misses the target. But I'd love to know what his... Goals to shot conversion rate actually is consistent. well. I actually have it in front of me.
2: Go on, Scott. What 40, is it? 44% goal conversion rate and a 62% shot accuracy, which is actually quite low. Uh, how, does the
4: 44, how does that compare so to?
2: So, I am comparing. I think a... g- there is uh Roberto Firmino at 43%. Can you guess the one player in the top 10 who is above him on goal conversion in the Premier League? In the Premier League,
5: the Premier League. Uh... this season.
2: 3, to 1.
5: Akaya Saka?
2: It's, it's Leandro Trossard, actually. Oh. Oh. According to the BBC, this is... And then there is a player at the bottom of the BBC top scorers list who has a 60% goal conversion rate. Philip Billing from uh, mm. from Bournemouth. But he only Passer. has three goals, to be fair. So, um, yeah, Erling Haaland's doing a hell of a job. And I would say... Uh, Man City might not be the only title challenger to not have this striker go into the World Cup based on what we said earlier, Gabriel Jesus could be left at home and Arsenal a top of the league at the moment. Does anyone give them a hope in hell of living the city? No. no. no.
5: <laughs> we'll leave it there. I, I do give them a hope in hell, though, of finishing at least top four, maybe top yep.
4: three. That's a huge achievement. Top four, I, I thought they'd get top gym. four
5: before the season started, actually, but they've obviously blown away all of our expectations by how they've started the season. But... Very, very impressive work, but there's no way that they can continue doing that to match City, who I would imagine are going to be pushing the hundred-point barrier again, if not getting it. Because with Haaland in the team scoring goals at this rate, City are going to win like
4: 34, 35 of their games, aren't they? Mm. But of those other three spots, are so. Uh, normally, we have three of them sewn up in our heads. I, 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 I couldn't, I wouldn't put like to put any money on who gets over three spots. It's Newcastle. Sore. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think if Newcastle have a good January, so if if they manage well to bring Santos in, who you know, I think they do. In some of the games, they have struggled to break clubs down, other teams down. I think Bruno on the form has showed last few games he's kept Boss. If they can, if they can bring a Madison, Harrison, a D- or a Diaby in January, I think Newcastle got a huge chance.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, let us know who you think will come in the top four because Liverpool's. Uh... There were people tipping Liverpool to win
4: the league at the start of the season. Graham, were you one of them? Because I, I, I said I literally, I literally tossed a coin between them two <laughs> <laughs> to choose because I couldn't choose between them. Um, but yeah, but to say that Liverpool, as you you can't win the league in October, but you can lose it. They're out, they're out, they're out of title contention now for me, and that's staggering, absolutely they've staggering. A, they've got a battle to get in the top four uh man united for the
2: absolutely disastrous start of fifth and 1 point off the top four as well so just getting that in there uh playing well below their their maximum
4: i think uh yes who, uh... Who united you're playing well to your maximum aren't you? hmm? you're playing well to your maximum aren't you, with that team
2: yes i'm i'm sure yes yes definitely i think you're onto something there Graham. Well, uh, anyway hard.
4: after after seeing you in that derby scott it's hard for me to get over how just how much had gone backwards, but I do. I like. You know what? I, Ten Hag will be over in that press score afterwards. I thought the way he just stood up and said, "Yeah, we got hammered. We were terrible." I liked it. He, he took responsibility for it. He didn't try and do a nick and say, "Oh, this and that." He just said, "We were, we were, we were pants." <laughs> <laughs> and on that note,
2: we'll leave the show today. Thank you very much to Tom Gott, Toby Cudworth, and Graham Bailey for ninety Min's latest. Talking transfers, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey, at Toby underscore Cudworth, and at Tom Got Two. You can subscribe to the show on all of your regular podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. We're doing one show a week at the moment uh, until further notice. Anyway, we'll see how that changes approaching the World Cup, and I'm sure we'll ramp things up again as we get closer or into January when transfer season kicks back in. But thank you very much to everyone. Thank you very much for listening as well. We'll catch you very soon on another Talking Transfers.